Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everyone. Troy Dooley, the host of the Beachside CEO. This will be the last show this week. Now, I took off yesterday. I want you guys to know, but the good news is my my heel. You guys have been following us for a while now. My heel is totally well. Now, here's what happened for you that are new. Uh, back about a week after I got back from the uh, Catalyst Leadership Conference in Atlanta, I was setting up at our church. We set up in a, what was a rave motion theater. Now it's AMC. And, <laughs> and I locked myself out. So instead of walking around the building, I, I did what you kind of see in the movies. I jumped up on the walls and started jumping over the walls to go through the alley. Got to the last wall... And it was a little higher on the other side than I thought. So when I spun around to grab the top of the wall, my hand slipped. I put 220 pounds uh, straight down on concrete on my left heel, broke it in three places. It is now totally healed. I do have six months of physical therapy, but God is good, and I'm excited. So, hey, now I'm out of a cast, uh, headed out to Vitacup, uh, the brand-new company, coffee company launched last year. Miss Donna Valdez is their chief marketing officer. Roy Williams happens to be their CEO. And I'm going to go meet with them and their team at their red carpet day. They're going to launch a brand new product. So we'll be airing this probably over on Spun Live is where we'll air this thing live. It's going to be great. We're in Mike uh, Magolnik's book. This I love this. The New Three-Foot Rule. How social, digital, and mobile media has impacted direct sales and relationship marketing. I, I run around with some pretty cool guys um, in the social media arena. Every one of them seems to have a little different spin, a little different expertise uh, in what they do, and that's what I get passionate about, and I've learned so much from Mike over the years. And as I'm going into Chapter 3 today, making the transition into social media, I, I just stopped right there. I didn't even read the chapter. I just started pondering that transitioning in and I thought man you know I've been in lead generation for over a decade and it's it's amazing how I've even seen the difference first it was card decks and it was uh, magazines and then it went to you know online ads and email marketing and then banner ads and then, then the network buys and and I thought man you know transitioning through each phase of marketing as a company person has been tough now I'm I'm working with a partner, and we're doing some social apps to, to bring in local advertising for people. And, and I thought, now it's mobile, you know, and, it's, and it is social media. But the question that Mike brings up in this chapter is why social media? Why even get there? Mark Zuckerberg said this, Facebook was not originally created to be a company. It was built to accomplish a social mission to make the, more, the world more open and connected. And I thought, you know, that's kind of what social media is. I was having a conversation yesterday with some folks, and I was—I happened to be brought on to a call. I, I, I do some consulting work with the company, and, and they said, Troy, will you bring on, be on an investor's call with us? And, and we've got a guy that we would like your input. So as I, as I listened to everyone that was talking, and I mean, I'm on there with <clears throat> some great people from the NFL and network marketing and around the globe, uh, some great people that that are experts in YouTube, and they're talking about this this social site that's going to launch, and and the investor asks a question: Why social media? You know, what what isn't it overloaded? How do you get above the white noise? He was asking some pertinent questions, 
And it brought me back to things that I've learned from Mike. You know, and and it caused me to stop and think. Most people don't see social media, the digital revolution, as as really, I mean, even though we see a lot in the media now, it's still just now getting to be out of its infancy stage where people realize it's here to stay. People need it. We, we, we want to be connected. Matter of fact, I made the comment that I believe social media exploded for a lot of reasons, but one was because it took off of TV and put onto a person's computer what they were already doing. See, if you, you go back to, I think it's the late 90s, maybe right at the turn of the century, the last big Hollywood strike that we had. All of a sudden, the TV producers and the, and the networks had to figure out, hey, how do we keep something on the air? We can't just keep showing all these reruns. And you know what took off in a big way? Reality TV. All of a sudden, people were watching Big Brother, and they were watching The Apprentice, and they were watching all these shows. And then all of a sudden, here comes social media, and it was like the same thing. All of a sudden, we're inside people's houses, people that we like. I'm not talking about weird stuff. I'm talking about all of a sudden the the celebrities and the bands and everything, we saw MySpace take off. So when when Mark opened up Facebook from the college to the world, people just automatically gravitated to that. But the question is, what does this have to do with business? What does it have to do with sales and commerce? Sure, you can do a banner ad, but is there really something that's viable for the business? Can you really accomplish what you're trying to do, and I believe you can. And Mike writes this. He says, it's interesting to note that most traditional companies fall quite short of the simple principle, and that's connectability. And it applies to our modern technologies that have advanced the world. What was considered connected 10 years ago is definitely not the same today, and I agree with that. I I wrote bail. owned a bail bond company. We had to be available 24-7. So I had a pager. I started out with just a beep, 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 beep pager noise, had a roll of quarters with me. Then I connected in with a couple of network marketing companies and, and started started using their calling cards. Then all of a sudden the technology in the pager world advanced because, you know, we're twenty four seven. And instead of getting a beep, having to call back to my answering service, find out what guy called, then call him at the jail, all of a sudden we got text messages across our pagers. So I ended up with a terminal at the house because when I didn't use my answering service, Page would take the calls. So I have a terminal at the house and and a terminal at the answering service. And when a bail call came in, they were texting what the guy said to me so that I could just I could just pick up the phone and say, Hey, I just got this in, this is so and so. we're coming we're coming down to Bonja out of jail. Here's what it's gonna cost you. Bam. It was a done deal. Then all of a sudden we had cell phones, and I carried around a bag phone, and it was available 24-7, and you know I'm paying $700, $800 a month in telephone bills. Technology is fast-moving, but what used to be connectability is gone. Then came out email. You know, Then all of a sudden, what am I doing this morning? I'm watching the dolphins in the harbor. I'm studying for today's show. I'm eating my breakfast. And I've got my business with me on my smartphone, my iPhone, and I'm conducting business that way. 
my my one of my friends out of Canada, Ken Dunn, has two two phones, one for his Canadian people, one for or I guess international, and one for the uh, U.S. You know, it's amazing how what Mike's writing about is it's true. It's definitely different than just ten years ago. But see, at the core, now this is something that that I think every business owner listening to today needs to think about. At the core. Even you guys that own the businesses that are that are launching businesses, you're consumers when you leave the office. You're going to go and you're going to get a Starbucks. You're going to go and you're going to go to the grocery store and buy something. You're going to go to Best Buy and buy a TV. You're going to get a new iPhone or, or an iPad or a mini or something from from Apple. Constantly doing something where you consume. Now think about this for a minute. Mike doesn't write it this way, but I want you I just want you to ponder the question. Write it down. How do you connect? When these when, when you decide you want to buy a TV or an Apple Mini or something like that, what is it that gets you gets you interested? Because see at the very core, like it or not, we're the consumers. For most of us, we're consuming stuff based on something, whether it's money whether it's what a, a, a co-worker said, what it's something we saw on Facebook, whether we saw it on a commercial, it doesn't matter. Matter of fact, it's funny because probably Bob Parsons, who's the, the founder and owner of uh, my, uh, GoDaddy, may have been one of the first businesses to tap into the power of social media just off his own website because he would do a, a, a commercial during the Super Bowl. And then it was like an ellipsis at the end. Instead of showing you what was going to happen, the climax, he'd say, by the way, go to, you got to go to godaddy.com forward slash TV to see the ending. Powerful. Now it seems to be the common practice for people. But think about this. See, the process leads us to a decision that is dictated, Mike's writing this, dictated by a number of different variables. From the purchases, there might not be a lot more to, to figure than a price. But for most transactions, there's a lot more to consider than just the dollar amount on the tag. There's value, the goal of the business owner, the goal of the salesman. You've got to build up the value. Think about that for a minute. What goes into it? And then what are the consumers thinking? Think about this. When you go out to buy something, is it too expensive? Do I really need it? How long is it going to last? What's the manufacturer warranty? Do I need an extended warranty? Is it worth the money? Is it well made? Uh, let's go there. You know, a lot of the stuff that I buy is made in America. My shirts, jeans, stuff like that. I try really hard to get that. All my shoes, you know, it, it's it's important to me. doesn't mean that the quality is any better. It just means I'm trying to support our economy. But but where is it made? You know, what company do, do I like the company? My wife laughs because I'm, I'm, I rented a car and it's a freaking Nissan. It's not a Ford because the, the Ford wasn't in. And she goes, you, you, you feel like you're like totally a trader. I said, I do. You know, I own substantial amount of Ford stock. We drive all Fords. You know, our camper's a Ford. I mean, it's one of those things. You know, so do I like the company? Have I had a good experience with the company? Have I heard more good things than bad things about the products? Do I have the cash on hand? Does the value exceed the price? These are things that go through the mind. They go through the mind of a business owner when they're creating their products. It's going to go through the, business, the mind of a consumer. So how do you approach it 
through social media with the average person. A lot of it is what what Mike talks about up here, relationship marketing. See, for a long, long time, and and I still go through this. I'm I'm going through some some struggles right now in network marketing, direct selling, because it's we we still face this dilemma of companies against distributors. When really, that that's antiquated a lot of times now in the real world. Because in the real world, it's not companies against their consumers anymore. We can thank Starbucks and Apple's for that. You know, probably Harley Davidson was the first company that that actually embraced the end user and said, if we can create relationships with the end user, then we create loyalty. Because, see, at the end of the day, it's all about loyalty. And now Harley-Davidson, the big sponsor at Sturgis, at Daytona, you know, all the big, big, big bike shows. Well, Starbucks, when they started getting critics, when they got too big, Starbucks didn't turn away from that. They faced it. They worked with it. They they embraced. They started working. When when conservative Christians got mad about one thing and, and liberals got mad about another, they embraced both parties. One of the most unique things I've ever said and said, look, it's America. and we're, We believe in America. So you all have a right to your opinions and your beliefs and, and we'll embrace you all. And, and it's worked very well. Apple, obviously, a pioneer of the 80s that did this. So we come back to that original question, why social media? You can thank Starbucks, as a matter of fact, for some of, uh, most of the big changes on Facebook because they were the first company to really hit the, the biggest, the million dollar, I mean the, uh, the million likes or the followers and all that good stuff. So the question is, do we use push and pull sales? What are push and pull sales? Mike writes this. The basic analogy goes like this. In sales, you can either push or pull your customers into making a purchase. Push, pushing involves you playing an active role in getting your customer by direct and personal interaction to a point where they hopefully will spend the money on your product and service. Pulling, on the other hand, is opposite. In pull sales, you build a framework that puts the consumer into it and then allows the framework to sell the product for you. I call this personas. Uh, Brian Eisenberg is is uh, phenomenal. Eisen, Eisen, yeah, Eisenberg is phenomenal at this, and created some of the first. Uh, Waiting for your cat to bark is a great book on that, because they use different personas. It's what was able to to get Best Buy out of a slump a few years ago. They started looking at well, what what are the people like that go on your website? What are the people like that go into your store? Let's make each store just a little bit different based on the clientele. But there's a lot of prep work that goes into a pull campaign first. You must plan the framework. It's got to be careful. You've got to be tedious. Uh, there's a lot of tenacity. It's never going to be perfect, but it's going to be close, and you've got to constantly monitor that. I think another unique thing about pull sales, and Mike talks about this, is how you think about the ratio of potential customers to the number of sales. See, one of the things that <clears throat> old-school, antiquated type of internet marketers talk about and and it's always funny to me because when I write a critical post I'll always get somebody that it will say well Troy you're just trying to get people to 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 view your website you just want traffic I don't want traffic I want freaking sales okay and in social media if you're doing anything on the internet it better be about sales not just eyeballs that's why when when Mike says it's you got to put a lot of time into the prep work into a pull campaign 100% you've got to make sure that what happens presents a dollar, a close, 
and you've got to know the ratio between how many people are going to come talk about, read about, share, and how many people are going to buy. Because if you're not selling something, what good is it? Now, I know some of you are going to say, now, Troy, now, wait a minute. You know, that traffic means that, that Google might buy my site because they want my database. Databases are great. I was on the phone with a good friend of mine yesterday who is an expert at creating different databases. But at the end of the day, you want to know why he was calling me? Troy, I need to sell my database. I got a new database. How can, how can I sell my database? What company needs a database? At the end of the day, whether you like it or not, it's all about sales. And that's where social media now comes into play because there's more people connected than not connected. One of my business associates were partners in a new project. And it's funny, somebody asked me the other day, Troy, how many business partners do you have? i got a slew of them because when somebody's got an idea and I think it's great, we go into business together. They own the company. I just want a little bit on the backside. We're going to make this thing fly. And, and I've seen it. And what it has to do with digital media, social media, the Internet, I am all over this stuff because I have watched people live in just average everyday people. Do some phenomenal things. Jack Humphrey, one of my heroes, has done this. Doesn't hasn't changed his lifestyle. He still goes hunting and fishing and playing with his dogs. Doesn't have a comp plan or anything like that. He's just a good old boy, and that's what it's about because you show other people how to make money. goes back to Zig Ziglar's deal. Everybody wins. So how does social media fit into a pull-push campaign? See, social media can be can, can effectively... Contribute to everything that's needed in the sales process. And here's, here's a few that Mike, Mike explained. This is the reasons for this. Number one, social media increases web traffic by bringing customers in through your social media stream. Not eyeballs, not traffic, customers. It enhances your framework by giving your customers a reliable and efficient way to access your online marketplace through links, banners, and ads. Here's the other thing it does. It allows them also to see what other people are writing. Yesterday, a rumor got launched across the Internet, and it may turn out to be true. Herbalife has been in the, in the limelight. Bill Ackman, a, a giant short seller who has a billion-dollar gamble that, that he can cause Herbalife stock to go to zero and them to go bankrupt, is pushing for it. So a rumor was launched yesterday that's, that an anonymous source close to the, to the situation from the SEC has announced that the SEC is opening an investigation. No facts whatsoever presented. Rumor. And it's got, my email just lit up like crazy. On top of that, Herb Greenberg over at CNBC finally released his, um, inter, or, or his coverage of the direct selling industry, the top companies that a lot of the short sellers are now actually shorting the stock. So all of this accumulates. It's a gigantic catalyst. And I write one small comment that goes viral. And it was basically to say, hey, you know, the rumors are running rampant. I'm not covering this until we know for sure that it's the facts. Then I put the little ellipsis, you know, the dot, 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 and said, for all we know, the SEC is working with Herbalife and have opened an investigation against Bill Ackman. See, this is what happens when the framework is correct. Everybody's watching, everybody's listening, everybody's seeing. And if you're selling a product, all of a sudden, 
people say, man, I want to learn more because so-and-so just wrote a comment over there. Hey, my good friend Sally just, just wrote a, a testimonial on the product. Yeah, that's what it does. Number three, it enhances your image by giving you direct control over your company and businesses portrayed online. See, there's this thing. I talked about this, I think, yesterday or the day before. So many companies want to shy away from critical stuff. Starbucks doesn't do that. Apple doesn't do that. Harley-Davidson doesn't do that. You can't do that, man. If somebody says something critical, so be it. I wrote two articles this week on a company that I have just been blown away with. I do not, and I made this clear. I don't agree with everything that the, that the founder does or what the company does. But they got like a 67% customer-to-distributor ratio. They're selling products in 800,000 homes a month. I'm, I'm like pretty stoked on that. That shows that my business model works. But some people don't like the founder, and, and they've written some stuff about his anti-gay agenda and about his conservative values, et cetera, et cetera. I covered it all. I covered the good, the bad, and the ugly. You want to know why? Because in the days of social media and connection, people want authenticity. They don't just want propaganda. Which brings us to the social media opportunities. What's out there? You know, there's no way. I've got to tell you this. You need to go to Mike's website. It's M as in Mary, A-G-I, L as in Larry, N-I-C as in cat, K. M-A-G-O-L-N-I-C-K dot com. Magolnik. You need to go there. You need to buy, not just buy this book, you need to buy his other books, Social Media Symphony, uh, Social What Now, How, great books, you need to get these, you need to, you know, if you're a company owner, I suggest engaging Mike in his services, at least communicate, just talk to him. I'm telling you, the man knows his stuff. And there's no way every day, I, I would love to dig deeper into these, and we can't do that in 30 minutes. <clears throat> so what are the opportunities that are there for you? What What, what can you be doing? How, how are you going to build something? Where, where do you put your energy and your time? Now, I want you to know something. There's two types. When you're doing social media, there's two ways to do this. You First, number one, you can hire somebody to come into your company, put them on staff, you know, and, and they become your VP of social engagement, let's say. You can hire a consultant, bring him in, let him train somebody that's going to be on your staff. And then the other way is that you you hire a firm that does it all. They write, they control, they monitor, they keep it all. Both ways are very viable. I have friends in both. Matter of fact, I've got a book coming out by John Gillum. Uh, uh, one of the things that, that John does is, or Jonathan rather, Jonathan Gillum is that he does it all. He, he engages. Now, here's the pros and the cons. The pro is you know somebody that's an expert is watching everything you do. The con is... They may not know your culture or the temperament, or, or they may answer differently than you would, and those are things that you gotta you got to think about. So just, I mean, if you're going to really engage, this is what you need to know about, right there. So while it's, it, it, it might not seem advantageous to you right now, may, maybe you're, you, don't even, you don't even know if the ROI is going to be worth it, the return on investment. I believe if you focus on this, if you dig deep in this, then here's what's going to happen. And, and Mike, Mike writes these, and I'm going to use these. Number one, by engaging with social media, by transitioning into social media, you're going to, you're going to keep your business and company name fresh in the minds of potential customers and your raving fans. I added that. He didn't. Number two, you're going to enhance your image by posting content that is beneficial to the viewers 
as opposed to just being sales-oriented. The whole goal, I talk to, to distributors about this and company owners. You don't just want to be a freaking walking billboard. I tell networkers all the time. Matter of fact, one of the one of the critics, uh, Herb Greenberg, one of the things he said is everybody talk about recruiting, 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 recruiting. And first of all, they take everything out of context. But the dilemma is every business in America is constantly recruiting brand new salespeople. How they pay them is a little different. But everybody's recruiting salespeople to move product. What you're wanting to do by engaging in social media is you don't want to be the one making the sale. What you want to be doing is you want to be creating valuable information. Prime example, I do a newscast on the Home Business Radio Network each and every day. A couple times a day I do this. And this is the cool thing about it. I cover different companies without ever naming their names. I've got a company that just brought out a, a Termic product. And Termic is an herb. It's been used in, in the Mideast and India and all kinds of stuff. It, it matter of fact, I took a huge dosage over the last 12 weeks for my foot, and I'm three weeks ahead of schedule in the healing process. Do I think that, it, that herbs work? Absolutely. So you know what I'm doing? I'm talking about it, and I'm telling people, hey, there's some companies out there. Just type in this, and you ought to be able to find them. Matter of fact, there's been over 1,700 different articles, I believe it is, over on PubMed, just on this one herb. I'm adding value to people's lives. I'm not talking about a product. That's what you want to do. You don't need to talk about your product. You need to talk about what the value is of the product how it's helped certain people, what it can do. Maybe you don't even mention the name of your product. I had a guy the other day said, Troy, tell me about glutathione. He goes, I know there's a couple of companies in network marketing that do glutathione products. What, what do you know about that? I said, here's what you do. Go to Google and type in glutathione and Dr. Oz. I said, he did a whole whole deal on glutathione, and he's got a, just a layman's way of explaining this, even though he's a doc. I just added value to somebody's life, and I did not promote any individual company. You're going to be connecting with the individuals at their level. See, with your consumers, with your customers on a medium that is comfortable to them. Here's what I mean. You're going to be connecting where they're at, not trying to bring them where you're at. You're going to them. When you when a company gets down with their customers and hang out with them, they become a Starbucks, an Apple, a Harley-Davidson. I'm telling you, the, the CEO of Harley-Davidson doesn't wear blue jeans and vests has tattoos showing all the time, long hair and a beard and smells stinky. He's a CEO of a publicly traded company. He's walking the talk. He's looking at the figures. He's doing his stuff. And when his assistant calls up and says, hey, this weekend you've got to be in Sturgis. I've got you leaving here. You want to know something? He's freaking like Batman. Gets out of the $500 suit gets into a $100 pair of blue jeans and probably a $150 vest, gets on his custom bike, has his Harley-Davidson T-shirt on, still doesn't stink, still isn't scruffy, and he gets the crew and the 18-wheelers and they cruise up the Sturgis. And he hangs out with the people from one percenters to independents. He gets on their level. He doesn't expect them to come to him. You've got to be the same way. This is what social media does. You're effectively growing your potential customer base by earning more likes and shares 
from those who are already on your page. Now, in this case, we're talking about Facebook, but it's all over. I had 1.2 million views last year on my videos on YouTube. 900,000 minutes were viewed. I thought that was pretty good, and then I see these people that get 34 million views on one video, and it's like I'm just a little peon. But in my niche, I'm I'm the voice. I get 40,000, on average, listeners a month to this radio show. On my last John Maxwell show of 2012, we had 15,000 downloads alone just on that one. Is it pretty radical? You bet. We get 1,000 to 2,000, on average, uh, visitors a day to our blog post. How did we do this? By taking what Mike has taught me over the last couple, three years and adding it to our business model. That's what's allowed us to become what we are today. Now, when I get back into town next week, I believe it's next Tuesday, we're going to be on Chapter 4, effectively using social media for your personal business. If you want to hear some of the other radio shows, you want to see what we're doing daily over at the Home Business Radio Network, please check it out. You can also go to BeachsideCEO.com and get some of the archives over there. We are we should have our app launched by February 1st, where then you can download the app and you'll be getting my videos and, and all the stuff. And it's nothing. And any of you guys that follow us from uh, MLM Help Desk, Beachside CEO, and what we do here is nothing like that. That's the cool part. It's totally different. So, folks, live life like an epic adventure. Stay dangerous. Stay strong. And if you're in network marketing, act like it. You've been listening to the Beachside CEO, heard around the world on the Home Business Radio Network, the voice in positive pirate radio.